The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. All right, well, we are in John chapter 8. Last week we went through verses 1 through 11. This morning we're going to begin in verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, remember when we started the Gospel of John that this theme of light and darkness was there, and you'll notice as we continue to go through the book, this is a theme throughout the Gospel of John, light and darkness. And John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. It says, The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We need to keep that in mind. The darkness has not overcome the light. Matter of fact, the darkness will not overcome the light. And then John chapter 1 verse 9 says, The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. I thought it was interesting in our reading plan uh, that we have. Our reading today was in 1 John chapter 1. And in 1 John chapter 1, just a few of the verses, it says, uh, starting with verse 1, that which was from the beginning. So think about John, and he's writing this epistle, but he also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and we bear witness, and we show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Verse 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him, And walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Very similar to this verse 12, right? So, again, this idea of light and darkness being the theme of the letter, and, you know, I I just kind of thought to myself, uh, you know, thinking about light, the idea of God, the idea of good, the idea of fellowship, the idea of revelation and understanding. And then, of course, darkness is opposite that, that there's no God there. It's evil, there's separation, lostness, and deception. So Jesus, here, he's coming on the scene, and, and when we get into verse 20, you're going to know that he's in the temple. This is happening in the temple. It's happening in the treasury. There's a lot of neat things about that. In the treasury, this court, there were all these uh, candles that were in front of these big brass pillars that when they lit the candles, the light would reflect off the pillars. Now, if this was at night, who knows? But it's kind of interesting. He's talking about being the light of the world, and if in that scenario where they would, would have been one of the most lit areas of the temple. Who knows? But this is also the second declaration of Jesus saying that I am. There's seven of them. So the first one was, I am the bread of life. 
I'm the giver and sustainer of life. Here he says, I am the light of the world. And each of these I am statements that John uses that Jesus said about himself were to point to his unique divine identity and purpose. Think about that. Identity and purpose. So as a bread of life, his identity was that he was a source of sustenance and his purpose was to give sustenance. As the idea of light, he's a revealer of truth of who God is and his purpose is to manifest that and to give that to humanity. And again, this is, again, I, I, I thought about this this morning when we go through John, it, there's just a repetitiveness about John. Because again, John is just taking 50 years of history up to this point and the growth of the church, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he just narrows it down. And he's narrowing it down to certain truths. And it seems when you go through John, and even as I've been teaching through John, because this morning I'm going, I've said that, I've said that, I've said that, and the Holy Spirit said, well, say it again, say it again, say it again. Because John wrote it again and again and again and again and again. Here's the truth. So as he's narrowing down these truths, it's to keep focusing on the simple uh, it's keeping the main thing the main thing. It's not wandering off. I mean, in our culture today, I don't know about you, but in our culture today, I, I need to keep being reminded of simple, certain truths. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. The darkness has not overcome the light. Here's a promise. The darkness will not overcome the light. And if we are walking in the light, darkness will not overcome us. That, that's, I don't know about you, but man, that, who knows what's ahead? You know, it's not going to get easier and easier and easier in the respect of what's going on around us, but in some ways it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. So, here Jesus is declaring himself, he's claiming that he is the exclusive source of light, God's light, God's truth. He's the ex because the I in the Greek is emphatic. So the idea or the way that it would be worded was, would be that I and no other, I and no other am the light. And you know, it gets tricky when you're around talking to other people and they believe all kinds of other things. Some people bring, believe crazy things. And they're going, well, I get my source of uh, revelation from hugging a tree or whatever it is. Jesus is going to look at You just need to understand something. And, and what I like about John, how he, how he brings this together and how he makes these statements of Jesus, this is Jesus, the Son of God, making declarative statements. Now, y'all can, if you want, you can argue as much as you want. But if you're going to argue with anybody about it, you got to argue with him about it. Because he made the statement. I can't really imagine that. If Jesus came down in the flesh, how many of us are going to go right up to him and go, I'm going to tell you what. First of all, in two days after you get up off your face, because encountering Jesus, you're not going to say a blasted thing except be grateful that he's rescued you. There's no art. There's, here, here's another thing I love. There's going to be no argument. None. 
Just think about it. I've played this over in my mind so many times, all these pompous, arrogant people. They're, they're going to be big before Jesus. The white throne of judgment, there's not even going to be a word spoken to those that are accused. I mean, think about it. I mean, the Old Testament was, they thought they were going to die because they'd seen the face of God. I mean, that just is going to be such a holy experience. There, there's going to be no argument there. We're going to be on the sidelines. I don't know. I suppose I'm going to have a better attitude when I get there. Because, you know, right now I'm going, you're going to receive your just reward. And then the Holy Spirit goes, hey, we better back down right there about that. Yeah, you need to have a change of heart and attitude. What you need to do is, yes, there's unrighteousness there. You can hate wicked, but don't hate the wicked people. Hate the wickedness. But there's not going to be any argument about any of that. And we're going to watch... Uh, we sang the song, what was it, uh, Justice Like the Waves? Like the Waves. It's just what is right and what is good and what is fair. What is right, what is good, and what is fair. What is, it just over and over, that's how it's going to be. That's how it is right now in heaven. And that's how it's going to always be. God's justice, what is right, what is good, and what is fair, just will continue. So Jesus is saying, look, I am the light. John 14, 6 reminds me, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The second part of that verse in John chapter 8, verse 12, where he says, um, uh, I am the light of the world, he says, now... That's the truth. I'm the light of the world. None other. Now, whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have, he said, the light of life. Now, it's interesting because when he says, whoever follows me shall not Walk in darkness, that shall not in the Greek is a double negative. No, never. Whoever follows me, no, never. No, never will they walk in darkness. Now, I know sometimes when we're living this life, we think that this darkness prevails. But God is saying that darkness is light to me. If you follow me, no matter what you think is going on in your life, no matter what kind of circumstances you're facing, no matter how dark it is, here's something you need to know. You will never walk in darkness. Now, you perceive it as darkness because you can't see, because you don't understand, but you don't know. But a few weeks ago when I was going around the room and I was saying, what's going on in your life? And a lot of you, a number of you said, boy, it's been really a hard year. But... Every one of you in some way said, but he was with me and had peace. That's amazing. See, that is this. You follow me, you will not walk in darkness. You will never walk in darkness. Follow me, you never walk in darkness. Good news. And 
the idea of following is in the present tense, so it's the one who is following me. Now, now think about this. I've, you know, we've described it in so many ways, but one of the ways God has made this pathway, you're there, God is there, you get over there, yeah, He's not there, so to speak. Blessings are here, light's here. Over there, yeah, there's darkness over there, there's discouragement over there, there's despair over there, there's trouble over there. And over there, you're kind of winging it. You're kind of you're on your own. <laughs> so the idea is, is that as we are constantly, as we're actively following, and, and I know that you, maybe you're sitting there and think, well, I don't do it well sometimes. It, didn't say, it doesn't say if you follow me well. It, it just says if you, in your heart, if your attitude, if your heart is to honor God with your life, he is saying to us that we will not walk in darkness. Because we aren't going to get it right. We're not going to bat a thousand. There are going to be tricky spots. Man, just during the course of a day, your mind can wander. Your heart can try to, try to move. And you're going, whoa, hey, whoa, what's going on here? See that light that God is giving to you, helping you see. So it is this recognizing Him and following Him. You will always have light in your life, no matter how darkness, how great the darkness is around your life. Any thoughts about that? When I honor God, but then I had these thoughts, and it it is difficult for me to understand. But and then I go back to the Bible, and I feel that God's peace, like He's in control. So, yeah, just to, to hear that reminder, it gives me peace. Yeah, there's a constant temptation of, you know, the enemy, all he's trying to do is distract. He's just trying to get our attention to follow. He's trying to get our attention to follow away from where we are. See, he doesn't want us where we are. He's trying to grab us from where we are. And that idea means to flash out. And I've made this comment before. If you're somewhere and a mile away there are ambulance lights and you've got a clear view, a mile away you can see them in the pitch of the dark. And it's like to grab our attention. Look at there's all kinds of mind games the devil's going to try and throw us, but it's saying here, living out. So, you know, stuff hits our life, but you're not acting on it. You're not living it out. And, the, and, and why do we get... Why do we condemn ourselves when that hits our life? See, because I think sometimes that hits our life as a training ground for us to process. All right, well, my mind's wandering that way. Now you just follow that, mentally follow that out. And go, yeah, okay, that's a bad way to go. It's really, a, in, in so many ways, it's like teaching moments for us. Now, I'm not, don't get me wrong here, um, it's not a path that we just want to run full speed ahead down, but sometimes it is, it are the, it's those very things that it hits our life and we just begin to process it and the enemy pulls us a little farther and we begin to process and he pulls us a little farther and then we, we kind of think, well, maybe I'll open my life to it and then the Holy Spirit goes, all right, do that. Here's the consequences. Then it's like, oh yeah, huh, yeah, that's not a good idea. Gets us right back here where we need to be. Scott? 
Um, I think it's we, at least I do, and I hear a lot from some of the um, things that I, I'm on Facebook about Gulf War syndrome, the people that were affected. And they have a tendency to put, to put labels on themselves. And they identify with that. They identify with their circumstances, what they're going through. And, that, and I think that just pulls them back into the darkness. Mm, that's good. And they can't, they can't get out of it. So my, you know, Jesus wears a label too. He says, I am. I am the answer. I am the way. I am the light. To get you out of that pit that you're in, that you're suffering, and you wear that label until you, you're going to wear that label forever until you take it off and follow the light. Yeah, our, uh, we identify as who we are as children of God. Doug, did you have something? I thought you were raising your hand. No, I just like the um, fact that you can talk about the label, just, you know, we should be able to proclaim that I am his, mm. right? so therefore I'm in the light. And as our sister was talking about thoughts, you know, I've just found, and First John talked about, it goes into the worst, the word of life first, and then the light, right? And it's just going back and reflecting on the word. You know, Philippians 4, 8, thinking about what is good, what is right, what is honorable, what is, right? I have found myself falling back on those verses often when, you know, things in life are happening. Somebody says something, something happens, and I think one way and I go, oh, no, 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 no. That's not honorable. That's not good. That's not righteous. That's where I need to think. Mm. You know, so, and then remembering that, you know, as, as he says, I am the light, you can, I can say, I am his. So therefore, I'm in the light. Mm -hmm. And it just reminds us of that, right? It's hard to connect ourselves to, to embrace. I mean, I don't know, you know, just because we... I think we feel that we might get rejected. Well, possibly, yeah. And then to heart, it's really, even as a believer for a long time, it's hard to really grab a hold of the reality of who we are in Christ. Yeah. The, the realness of the reality of who we are in Christ. Yeah, we yeah we look we look in the mirror yeah yeah natural fleshly realm yeah yeah and but but it is good because as we are in the Word what is uh, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God is profitable for us it teaches it corrects it helps us guide have understanding so that we continue to get to where God wants us to get. Well, we do, and we, we, we mentally comprehend to a, a, an ability. I mean, how many of you have played over in your mind what it's going to look like at the rapture? The reality of what that may look like, or the reality of what heaven is. I mean, we, we think about it, but it's really hard to grasp a hold of because it's so far outside of our ability to grab. And when John... He's trying, he's in heaven in Revelations, and he's trying to explain. He says it, it, was, it was as if, or it was, it was 
as there was. You know, he's trying to describe to us something that words that he's never seen before and words are lacking. Keith? You know, I was thinking too that, you know, just as Christ walked around to a hurting and dying world, right? As Christians, we have the light of the Lord, the Holy Spirit living within us. And, you know, when he's talking about you will never walk in darkness, it's kind of like saying, look, you are mine, like Doug was saying. You have the Holy Spirit living within you, so therefore you have the ability now to understand God as far as what he's laid out in his word for us. So you're informed, you're enlightened, if you will. But our job is to walk around in darkness. In other words, people who are lost are considered dark, right? There's evil around us. As Christians, just as Christ did, the light shines in the darkness. If you take a candle, right, and you put it in a room and it has all these floodlights on, I mean, it's bright, right? You really can't see the candle. It's so bright in there. But if you turn off all the lights, all of a sudden the candle becomes visible. So as Christians, we don't submerge ourselves into a dark world, so to speak. But as we live out this life and Christ right, gives us divine appointments, that light shines so people notice, right? So they can give glory to God. They notice your life and that light shines in the darkness. But now that we're enlightened, we will never become dark again because we've already been enlightened. So therefore, we will never, like you said, no, never walk in darkness. I was, I uh, can't remember, it was an early revivalist back in the 16th century, 15th, 16th century, I think. And uh, he was a boy and he was looking out the window. And back then they had, whenever the time frame was, they had gas lamp. they would have these lamps that they would light uh, for street lights. And his dad asked, or mom or dad, again, story's vague, but um, either his mom or dad, he was just staring out the window and he goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm watching them poke holes in the darkness. Isn't that good? Poking holes in the darkness. I, I think, about, think about your life before you were a believer. Like for me, I mean, my whole family, none of them are believers and God lit me and he poked a hole in the darkness mm. and then God rescued you and those around you and he poked a hole in the darkness that is that is profoundly amazing what God does uh, Aaron so a couple of things that I noticed here um He's talking about him being the source of the light. He says, I am the light of the world. So it's, he's, he is the source, but it says, follow, whoever follows me. And that kind of leads me to feel like that his light is moving. You can't really follow something if it's not moving, if it's not going somewhere. So he is the light. He's the source of the light, and that light is moving, and it's our job to follow the light. Kind of like in the wilderness with a pillar of fire by night. Mm -hmm. It moved, they moved. Yeah, I feel like, you know, uh, Keith was talking about, like, divine appointments and things. I think, I think God is always m trying to move us toward him, towards something, whether or not we're paying attention, listening, and actually following the light. 
I think that's sometimes the challenge. Um, but if we're looking, and we are completely surrounded by darkness to the point where now our entire society is trying to tell you that the darkness is good and the light is bad. Mm -hmm. um, so if we are looking for the light, we're going to be able to see it because it stands out so much compared to what we're, we're surrounded by. <clears throat> and then something else that kind of popped in my head, and I don't know um, anybody who really knows a lot about biology, but I heard a while ago, a couple years ago, that um, when they break down and get down to even like the, the lowest cellular part of, our, of us of, as humans, in life they find light. It's called biophotons, and it's like the uh, there's actual light that is in our cells. So God created us to be a light, hmm. so much so that we actually have light in our body. It can't be seen by the naked eye, but it's there. And then you see in Scripture where they talk about Jesus sometimes, and what does he look like? Or they, they, they talk about the Father, and what does he look like? A really bright light, like so bright you can't look at it. Like the sun times a billion. That's God. He's light. Hmm. So. Now, so he says here, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So the antonym to that is, if you do not follow, you don't have the light. I've run into so many people that think they're believers and they know what truth is, and I just look at them and go, yeah, yeah, your train of thinking, yeah, that's, I don't know where you got it. It's, you didn't get it from the Bible. You have it, and I'm, that's fine, but I'm just telling you that's not Bible. That's not truth according to the scriptures that is God's word. So, the idea is if you don't follow him, then you're not going to have this light, you're not going to have this good, you're not going to have this fellowship, you're not going to have this understanding which gives us and leads to eternal life. I like that, uh, and I mentioned John uh, 1.4, it says, in him was life, and the life, the life that he was, is the light to men. So the life of Jesus and the life he shares with those who follow uh, gives us light, gives us sight, gives us understanding. You know, prior we were dead in our sins, separated from God, but when Jesus came and he nudged us toward God, we embraced that, we embraced his life. When we embraced his life, all of a sudden we could see. How many how many, I think all of us could say, how, how did I get along before? How, how could I not have seen that before? And all of a sudden now there is this that you see. He's opened up our heart. He's opened up our eyes. We are spiritually now alive. And so, you know, it says it. I like this because it says that, you know, Jesus being a light to the world. And we know the world cosmos it has this idea of a world system. It refers to the inhabitants of the world and worldly affairs to which Jesus said, the world's in darkness and the world is opposed to me. And he clearly differentiates between the two. And in John chapter 
3, verse 16, it's obvious. So think about this. Here is the world, and it's in darkness, and it's opposed to who Jesus is. But he is not, the world is not an object of hate toward Christ. Because God sent his son in the world to rescue the world. So this evil world that's dominated by darkness, God doesn't hate, but he loves. So here the world that is dark needs light. It needs the life that Jesus offered. The world needs to be rescued from their darkness. So God sent his son into the world that you might be saved, might be rescued from your darkness through him. So, Jesus is the light that gives life, or his life gives light. Just look at those two things, life and light. You receive the life of Christ, you receive light. You receive the light of Christ, the understanding, you receive the life. And so Jesus is just, he started this with, you know, we see it in, uh, in his encounters when we've talked uh, prior, you know, with Nicodemus, with the woman at the well, and these encounters that Jesus had. And he's trying to say, look, there's, there's what is natural and there's what is spiritual. And up to this point, you seem to be focused on the natural. I really need to help you see spiritual here. So there is this natural world where there's no possible... Uh, you th- well, let me back up. So thinking about life in the natural world, if you just take light out, everything dies. Think in the spiritual world, you take the light out, there's deadness. You put light in, there's life. And so this idea of following Jesus and, uh, implies a surrender, uh, going his way, uh, learning and reading and learning and applying God's teachings to our life, we in that, we are following him. So because of that, we will not walk in darkness. And again, it's a, not a, it's a continuous action. It's a one-time event that takes place, but then there's a continuity to it. It's not, that's why I have such a difficult time when I hear, I, I understand a concept of once saved, always saved. I understand the biblical, a biblical concept that if you receive Jesus Christ, you will not walk in darkness. He's redeemed us from life. But here's this thing that you cannot take that and you cannot mush it and make it mushy and gray and say, you just pray the prayer and you're good. Now, how many does that really set well with? Okay, okay so you receive Jesus as your Savior, you, which, which is tricky because John... 10, 9, and 10 says, if you believe in your heart. See, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, salvation is made. So how many, there's not that continuity there. I can't tell you how many people that I know have this idea. Not prayed the prayer, I'm good. Explain that a little bit. I'm going to live however I want, I'm going to go to heaven. Explain it a little bit further to me. Because that just doesn't jive. That, that, that does, does that make sense to anybody that that could wander that far away? But it's, it's no different than anything else. So many things that are true that the devil tries to jump in the mix with to wander away so that he can just continually lead us away from truth so he can in, 
evolve, envelop our life with darkness so that we just continue to walk in abandonment away from God. So, Jesus says that, you know, you, we understand that the starting point as far as finding this life is being born again. And then when we get into the rest of chapter 8, we just see this continual opposition between Jesus and these unbelieving religious leaders. The same kind of opposition that still exists today because darkness does not understand the light and doesn't want to come to the light. The darkness doesn't want the light to shine on their evil deeds. But here's the thing about that. It's, it's exactly what's needed. Who, no one in their right mind here would say, show me how bad I am. No, nobody wants their faults exposed. Nobody wants their life exposed. Nobody wants God peeking into, before you're a believer, who wants God peeking into their life? How many, like, if you were in a completely dark room and somebody shined a bright light in your face, how many wants that? That's irritating. But, but it is the, the beginning of the solution to your life. I mean, when I first had this guy tell me about Jesus and about what my life was, I mean, I was like, yeah, you know what? Just go away. I, I mean, I had a lot of words for that individual. And I just exited stage left like Snagglepuss. I wanted nothing to do with it. Why? I didn't want light shining on my darkness. I didn't want the, the darkness of my heart exposed. But that is, we really, we have to see our true situation. I mean, really, that's the only way we're going to embrace God's solution. So, you know, you start talking to people about Jesus and they don't want to, you know, there's sometimes you got to have several conversations and finally you get to the tipping point. You go, but, yes, all that, but Jesus came, died on the cross so that he could rescue us, so that the thing that was keeping us from him would not keep us from him any longer, that we could find life in him. So really our greatest detriment is really the greatest blessing because it leads to the solution of the embrace of God for us in our life. So, you know, the Jews, they didn't like anything that Jesus was saying. Matter of fact, you know what you're saying? You're just a liar. We're not going to believe anything you have to say. Your testimony isn't true. We're not going to accept what you say. And Jesus basically responds to him. He says, that's because you just, you judge according to the flesh. You judge me the way that you judge other men, and it's in your humanness, and that is never going to get that way. You judge according to the flesh. You, you judge uh, because based on just merely your human existence without the reality of God and the things of God. Because the reality, okay, who was here first? Yeah, he was. What did he create? Yeah, Everything. So here humanity is judging by, so, you know, I, I, I am just amazed at people that are 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, so smug in what they think they know. And I'm going, you're not like even a pimple on a pimple. Uh, you need to understand that God started this whole thing. And so our understanding and our trying to derive and arrive at truth in our life without God, that's like futile. How's that going to work? Really, how's that going to work? 
oh, so all of a sudden you're just going to carve out your little space and you're going you're gonna to make your own little world again around you and what you think is true. Well, hey, you know what? That will work for so long, but eventually that is going to come to an end and you're going to face a reality of truth that Jesus said the same thing to these religious leaders when he got to it. Jesus is basically saying, they're saying, you know what, we don't believe you. Uh, and he says, that's because you're missing the point altogether. You're just judging by a worldly point of view. What you need to understand is, I'm not of this world. I'm from above. I'm from the Father. Jesus constantly through the Gospels was basically saying, um, I and the Father are one. My judgments are true because they're judgments of the Father. I act according to the Father. I say what the Father wants to say. And he's continued driving this point. Flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. Your little world, the real reality of the world. And that's God's vantage point. And he says to these religious leaders in verses 23 and 24, he says, I'm from above, you're of this world. I'm not of this world. I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now think about that, who he's talking to. He's talking to the religious leaders. They did not like any of that. But he's given them this warning. You will die in your sins. And if you die in your sins, that means that you're going to stay, when you die, you're going to stay connected to the thing that separates you from God. When right now you have this opportunity to be liberated from that which separates you from God, which is your sin. And so these are truths and these are really straightforward words that God is, uh, that Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. Unless you believe that I am, you are going to die in your sins. In other words, open up your eyes and see that I truly am the light of the world and receive me in the light. And if you do, you won't perish. You are not going to die in your sins. And of course, then uh, it ends up with this, that they didn't understand what he is saying to them. And he said this to them in verse 28. He says, well, okay, well, here's a reality. When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you're going to know the truth. You're going to know that I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. And then it says, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I am always do what, he please, what pleases him. And then it says, even as he spoke, now, he's having this conversation with the religious leaders. Now, think about this. They're over here, so to speak. Religious leaders, a confrontation there. They're all gathered around Jesus, and they're so blind they can't see in front of their face. They're over here. They're going, huh, huh, hmm. And it said, and at that point, many believed in him. And why did they believe in him? Because they weren't obstinate toward him. So listen, you know, when you get people that are obstinate toward God, just, just tell them to chill. Just tell them to back up a little bit. Just take a breath. Why don't you just begin to process? Why don't you begin to take a few moments to give a little space between you and what is you keep bumping into that you can't figure out? And why don't you just begin to open up and ask Jesus to say things? See, because when Jesus says stuff, people believe in him. Father, thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you that your word speaks. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you help us see. Thank you that even, even when we are, we're down on ourselves because we think we're not getting it right, what happens is, is it's a learning curve and we're 
we, we embrace. We, we get to see that you are using all things together for the good for them that love you and are called according to your purposes. So I'm thankful for that today. God, just refresh us today. Let our weeks be filled with just uh, an overwhelming sense of who we are and the great things that we have because of who we are. Not to be proud, but to be humbled and be grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an amazing week.